Welcome to another episode of Fill in the Blank. I can't believe we do not have an intro yet, Chris. What do you got for me today? Um, well, only thing I have is we'll get there one day. <laughs> I got a little beat flip-flop to fill in the blank. Okay, well, now that we started off with some nonsense, let's get into even some more nonsense. Chris, you know what we're talking about today? Yeah, you mentioned Acoustic Kitty. All right, well, I did mention Acoustic Kitty. It was actually an operation. But it's been long exposed before that we have used animals for military purposes. What's the mm. most common thing you think you can use an animal for? Um, sending messages. Say pigeons, carrying mm. messages over long distances. Before we had the good old email and the good yeah. old textification and that little, you know, AOL we all got frustrated with at times. But mm -hmm. before that, and horseback and messaging was done through pigeons and also owls like on Harry Potter or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, when I say animals used for war purposes, what does that spark in your head? Well, just because of the title, I'd say, like, surveillance. Like, you use it for spying purposes somehow. Mm -hmm. But if, in, like, today's day and age, if someone told me we used animals as spies, I would think, like, fully autonomous animals. You know what I mean? Like, not not a live animal. I'm like saying, like, what you a see on robotic TV. animal. You like know? what you see on TV with the half-robot animal, like the, it's like a dog with like a part of it, like you can see its brain floating in a jar. Oh man, yeah, well, like, like robotic some legs. Some Fallout New Vegas stuff, yeah. yeah. Well, Acoustic Kitty was a CIA project launched by the Central Intelligence Agency Directorate of Science and Technology. In the 1960s, it was intended to use cats to spy on the Kremlin and Soviet embassies. Oh. So we tried to use this for tactical purposes, like you were hinting at. Mm -hmm. In an hour-long procedure, a veterinary surgeon implanted a microphone in the cat's ear canal, a small radio transmitter at the base of its skull, and a thin wire into its fur. This would allow the cat to innocuously record and transmit sound from its surroundings. Due to problems with distraction, the cat's sense of hunger had to be addressed in another operation. Victor Marchetti, a former CIA officer, said Project Acoustic Kitty costs about $20 million. That's the same price it costs to fund the uh, Project Jedi. Yeah, yeah. That's... So when we're training psychic warriors, it takes $20 to implant a microphone into a cat. Yeah, yeah for... the same exact amount. I love how it says that there's um, there's uh, distractions such as hunger had to be addressed. <laughs> Like, you think at that point the government would be like, is this a reliable source yeah, to exactly. work off? Dude, they know cats like to jump up on counters and shit and just knock shit over all the time. And the, like... the cat can surveil anywhere, but anywhere near that's not near a food place or anywhere that smells like fish. Yeah, exactly. Maybe if they're having a dinner, the cat just can't, you can't send him out on that mission, bro. Mm -hmm. He's got he's to he's take a break. Yeah, he'll go find food. So the first acoustic kitty mission was to eavesdrop on two men in a park outside the Soviet compound on a Wisconsin Avenue in Washington, D.C. The cat was released nearby, but was hit and allegedly killed by a taxi almost immediately. So, that's $20 million. Yeah, done. Done. Right then and there. Gone right there. However, this was disputed in 2013 by Robert Wallace, a former director of the CIA's Office of Technological Service, who said that the project was abandoned due to the difficulty of training the cat to behave as required. 
and the equipment was taken out of the cat, and the cat was re-sown re for a second time and lived a long and happy life afterwards. Mm. That's definitely something the cat died. Yeah, exactly. Well, you, why would you pick a cat? I don't know. Like, Out of all the animals you think you would test, well, which would you test first? I would do dog mainly just because, like, dogs are more obedient normally. Like, if, if this was me and that... Cats be, literally don't give a shit if it, you're there. Exactly, but I think the thing is, if you wanted to surveil on people in public, having a cat go by is a better option because a dog... No one lets a dog out without a leash. You know, cats roam freely throughout cities. Yeah, they're feral cats. Yeah, exactly, so... What about if you tried something that had the object of flight, like maybe a bird? Or that'd probably be harder to train than a cat. It probably, yeah, it'd be much harder to train than a cat. Why don't you just put like a put it on a mouse? Just spray stuff with cheese or something. I mean, why not just put a microphone under the? Chair? I mean, if you're gonna go this far and spending twenty million dollars, you might as well check all your you know shortcomings there. Put but a tiny microphone on the bench that the two dudes are sitting at in the park. They could test for that. <laughs> Subse no one's going to test the cat. That's true. Subsequent tests also failed. Shortly thereafter, the project was considered a failure and declared to be a total loss. However, other accounts report more success for the project. The project was canceled in 1967. A closing memorandum said that the CIA researchers believed that they could train cats to move short distances but that the environmental and security factors in using this technique in a real foreign situation force us to conclude that for our intelligence purposes, it would not be practical. Mm. The, I can't believe it took them a couple of years to figure that out. Yeah, honestly. It literally took seven years for them to be like, maybe it's not going to work out. <laughs> so the project was disclosed in 2001 when some CIA documents were declassified. So... Animal-borne bomb attacks are the use of animals as delivery systems for explosives. The explosives are strapped to a pack such animals like a horse, a mule, or a donkey. The pack animal may be offset in a crowd. These are things that we've di diverted off from the surveillance kitty. We have made literally animal-borne bombs. These animals are born to be bombs and then die. That's all they mm. know. Such of these projects was known as Project of Bat Bombs, Dog Bombs, Pigeon Bombs, and also um, studies with dolphins. So, alright, alright. Which one strikes you as the most terrible and inhumane one? The dog bomb, right? You're well, sending a see, dog into... The dog and the dolphin, though, because the dolphins... Dolphins have a very high IQ. They're very close to us. Actually, I'm pretty sure they're more intelligent than us. They have their own language. Depending on where the dolphin lives, like if a dolphin lives, let's say, in this part of the ocean, then a dolphin compared to, like, Hawaii's part, mm -hmm. it, they, they could have two different languages. Really? Yeah, isn't that weird? That's pretty crazy. Well, in Afghanistan, in 2009, the Taliban strapped an improvised explosive device to a donkey. The gate guard noticed something suspicious when a group of men led the donkey loose a short way from the camp before the men hurried off. The donkey was stopped with a rifle shot. One sh soldier set fire to the hay with a flare provoking a considerable explosion. Mm. In April 2013, in Cabal, a bomb attached to a donkey blew up in front of a police security post, killing a policeman and wounding three civilians. A government spokesperson claimed insurgents were challenging the incompetence of the Afghan government prior to the 2014 withdrawal of the U.S. military. Yes, yeah, okay. so that was just a tactic to get back in.
Afghanistan is putting bombs on no, donkeys. The, the insurgents, and do you know who who trains insurgents? Who? Good old fashioned U.S. of A. Okay, but the fact is, I only know one movie where I've seen this happen, and that's the um, movie where like. Django, where he has the dynamite on the dude's yeah, horse, yeah. and then he shoots the horse or whatever, and the thing blows up. Like, that makes sense, but, you know, we used uh, dynamite um, on donkeys, too, but we used it in not an exploding way. We used it to carry, to go to gold mines, and yeah, during yeah. the gold rush, we would use them to blow up mines and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, in Iraq, on 21st of November, 2003, eight rockets were fired from donkey carts at the... Iraqi oil ministry and two hotels in downtown Baghdad, injuring one man and causing some damage. In 2004, a donkey in Ramadi was loaded with explosives and set off towards a U.S.-run checkpoint. It exploded before it was able to kill or injure anyone. The incident, along with a number of similar incidents involving dogs, fueled fears of terroristic practices of using live animals as weapons, a change from an older practice of using the bodies of dead animals to hold explosives. The use of improvised explosion devices concealed to animal carcasses was almost a common practice amongst the Iraqi insurgency. Obviously, if the animal's dead, you don't care about putting a bomb into it. I have a little bit more mm. feelings different than putting it on a live animal. Yeah. What do you think is their fascination with putting it on donkeys and dogs? you think that's just because the animals they had out there, probably the most common ones down there? I think that's like... I don't think everybody owns a cat. Yeah, no, no. But I think if you see, like, if anybody sees a dog lying on the ground somewhere, like, not moving, they're more likely to go up to that, you know? And, like, in that country, I guess, a donkey, too, because, like, donkeys are pretty valuable there. So, it's probably just, like, because it's such a common animal for people to own, people are going to be more willing to go check up on it, you know? Well, in Lebanon... Malia Sufanji, a young Lebanese woman, was caught in the security zone in November 1985 with an explosive device mounted on a donkey with which she had failed to carry out an attack. Hmm. She claimed that she had been recruited and dispatched by Syrian Brigadier General Ghazi Karian, who supplied the explosive and instructions on how the attack was to be carried out from his headquarters in the town of Anger in the Bika Valley. It seems like in this whole giant kind of Middle East type vibe, it's a lot of donkey abuse. Yeah. You know, maybe instead of SPCA commercials about dogs, we should have SPCA commercials about donkeys. Middle Eastern donkeys. I would like to see there. Sarah McLaughlin going, for one dollar, you may not be able to feed an African child, but you will be able to save a donkey from getting bombs put on it and thrown into a war situation. Yeah, exactly. Is it also because donkeys don't have, I guess, like a horse where it startles easy? A donkey doesn't is not known to startle easy. They're more stubborn. That's why they're known as the stubborn ass. Maybe. Maybe that is it. You like that connection? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So in the United States, the good old U.S. of A., in 1862, during the New Mexico campaign of the American Civil War, a Confederate force approached the, the Ford at Valor Verde, six miles north of Fort Craig. 
hoping to cut Union communications between the fort and their headquarters in Santa Fe. About midnight, Union Captain James Creighton tried to blow up a few rebel picket posts by sending mules loaded with barrels of fused gunpowder into the Confederate lines, but the faithful old army mules insisted on wandering back towards the Union camp before mm -hmm. blowing to bits. So that's a uh, that's a role reverse right there. Mm -hmm. You go, all right, donkey. I want you to go blow up their side, and then the donkey just comes back to you. Like, yeah, exactly. You didn't give me a carrot before you set me off. So, <laughs> so they, hey, that's in America too, man. We got donkey usage over here. Mm -hmm. So although the only casualties were two mules, the explosion stampeded a herd of Confederate beef cattle and horses into the Union's lines, so depriving the Confederate troops of some much-needed provisions and horses. Mm. So they injured themselves in a way. They literally shot themselves. They literally blew up a donkey on themselves. Yeah, yeah. That's, That's a crazy. good metaphor. We should get that one started. So saying you shot yourself in the foot, you blew yeah, you, up a donkey in your own lines. You blew up a war animal on yourself. So in the Wall Street bombing of 1920, an incident thought to be related to the 1919 United States anarchist bombings, anarchists used a bomb carried by a horse-drawn cart. Mm. Why? What? You feel like terrorism has evolved? Um, how so? Well, this is a really dumb project to fund money into, but yeah. it seems like this is like the this is like how we started with the uh, like the, the wheel, mm -hmm. and we now we have cars and stuff. Do you believe like this is what it was? Like we had animals that would like blow yourself up or blow themselves up. I mean, and then now we have like IED tank rovers that go in and just blow it up for us. Yeah, yeah. We kind of switch so. to machines. Is it going to come to the point like we obviously did that for animals having like emotional type things we're starting to realize. So this, mm -hmm. they were ignorant on this. Yeah. But then now we look at machines and not having any emotions, so we'll easily put a bomb on a machine. How long until we look at machines with emotions and now we have to find something else new? Uh, that's a good point. I don't know. Probably when AI comes around. It's going to be crazy. We're going to be thinking of a dog and IED bomb thing being <laughs> the same exact thing. Yeah. So let's talk about the West Bank in the Gaza Strip. June 25th, 1995, at approximately 11 a.m., a Palestinian rode a booby-trapped donkey cart to an Israeli army base west of Khan Yunus in the Gaza Strip and detonated it. The Palestinian and the donkey were killed, but no so soldiers were wounded. Hamas claimed responsibility for the attack. Three soldiers were treated for minor shock. Hmm. Are they shocked from the explosion, or are they shocked because some dude wrote a freaking donkey yeah, I, with I think bombs it's a on it? Dose, dude. I have to. I mean, I'm freaking out with the fact that how many people are willing to bomb a use a donkey. Yeah, I think a horse insane. would be a little bit better just because. I mean, I understand it scares easier, but aren't they faster? They are faster, and they could probably yeah. haul more. Right? No, a donkey hauls a lot. The donkey does haul a lot. I think a lot more than a horse. Mm-hmm. So, a pal and on June 17, 2001, a Palestinian man rode a bomb-laden donkey cart up to an Israeli position in the southern Gaza Strip and set off a small explosion. Israel soldiers destroyed the cart and no soldiers were wounded. The Palestinian man was captured by the soldiers. It seems like the only thing that's dying here is the animal. Mm -hmm. There seems to be no injuries so far in any of these reports with soldiers or any of the person that's supposed to be targeted. Yeah, you imagine you're raising like what you, they probably get like some donkey farm and just pick up a bunch of what do you need all these donkeys for man nothing I have to do an experiment what type of experiment man 
January 26, 2003, Palestinian fighters strapped a bomb to a donkey then exploded it remotely on the road between Jerusalem and Gush Etizan. No humans were injured in the attack. PETA director Ingrid Newkirk wrote to the PLO chairman Yasser Arafat asking him to keep animals out of the conflict. PETA was criticized for not objecting to killing of humans in the context. Mm. Well, you know, PETA's all about the protection of animals. Yeah, exactly. June 8, 2009. Palestinian gunmen approached the Carney crossing between the Gaza Strip and Israel with several trucks and at least five horses loaded with explosive devices and mines. The gunmen fired on IDF troops who observed them and at least four gunmen were killed in the ensuing battle. A previously unknown organization called the Army of Allah Supporters claimed responsibility for the foiled attack. The IDF estimated that the gunman had planned to kidnap an Israeli soldier. So the first success of a bombing that wasn't of the animal and actually killed some people wasn't even with a donkey, it was with a horse. And it was also by people that supported Allah. Mm. So May 25th, 2010... A small Syrian-backed militant group to the Gaza Strip blew up a donkey cart. We're back at the donkey cart. Yeah. Laden with explosive close to the border with Israel. According to a spokesperson for the group, more than 200 kilograms of dynamite were heaped onto the animal-drawn cart. The explosives were detonated several dozen meters from the border fence with Israel. The animal was killed in the blast, but no human injuries or damage were reported. All right, you had one success with the horses... And then you're going back to donkeys, where there's mm. been nothing but failed attempts. What? Yeah, I, Are they I drugging the donkey up before it goes? I don't really get it. Dude, you, you think... If you hook the cat on enough Adderall, or like something that makes it focus, could you eliminate the effect of it going and being distracted? Maybe. What is the one thing Adderall does that has a major side effect? It you, does make you focus. And one of its things is you're not hungry. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that might help. Mm -hmm. Hey, CIA, if you want to refund the program, you know, I'm giving you some ideas. It's gold here. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So June 19th, 2014. Hamas militants attempted to attack Israel troops in Gaza with a bomb-laden donkey. IDF forces operating in the Rafah area near the Gaza-Egypt border located the donkey suspiciously approaching their position and were forced to open fire at it causing the explosives to detonate. No people were killed, but one fair donkey that did yeah, not make yeah. it home that day. He didn't even make it to the mission objective. So what's the whole military aspect of bombings? During World War II in the U.S. investigated the use of bat bombs, or bats carrying mm, small incendiary one. bombs. You, what do you know fun. about bat bombs? No, I don't know anything. I just I remember you mentioning this in the beginning, and this one sounds like it's fucking crazy. Well, basically, we would go into caves... Or we ever we could find a bat, mm-hmm. hook a bomb to it, and it. I'm guessing it would have to be at night because you can't fly one of those things during the day. Yes, yeah, but it was night missions. When we were doing this with bats, we were also working um, in the same war that Project Pigeon was developed on. It was later called Project O Orcon for Organic Control. Was American behaviorist B. F. Skinner's attempt to develop a pigeon guided missile? Do you know who B. F. Skinner is? No. He created a lot of psychological like theories and stuff. He's very big in the world of psychotherapy, like okay. Sigmund Freud and all that. Mm. He's very big in that realm. Um, at the same time, the Soviet Union developed the anti-tank dog for use against German tanks. 
More recently, Iran purchased several dolphins, some of which were former Soviet military dolphins, along with other sea mammals and birds, in what some have alleged to be an attempt by Iran to develop kamikaze dolphins. Hmm. Do you know what these kamikaze dolphins were intended to do? They'll blow up on something. I don't know what, though. Seek out and destroy submarines. Ah. They would strap... Or enemy warships. They would strap a bomb to a dolphin. Hey, swim into that for me. Mm. Well, you got to think. You're under, or you see a dolphin. What's the one thing you're trying to do? You're trying to get a closer look. Mm-hmm. It's, it's true. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's one hand's moving, and you got to watch the other one, because the other one's going to slap you in the face with a dolphin bomb. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be better if, like, they... They train the dolphin to, like, swim under it and then, like, deploy a package. Well, after Iran bought these dolphins, the dolphins actually didn't get used for that purpose. The uh -huh. dolphins, the animals are on today at display at the Kish Dolphin Park on Iran's resort island of Kish in the Persian Gulf. During the Cold War, the Soviet Navy trained dolphins to attach underwater explosives and beacons to ships and submarines at Object 825's GTS at Baklava, Crimea. See, that sounds like a better use of the dolphin. That's using the dolphin's brain instead of hooking a yeah, exactly. C4 to it and then getting it to blow up a submarine. Exactly. But yeah, think, if you're in a submarine, that's like the worst thing. You can see a dolphin. Hey, look, Mom, look at the dolphin. And next thing you know, your do your submarine explodes and you're on. You're dead. You're underwater. Mm -hmm. That's, I think, the, the best way to get rid of evidence is killing someone in water or ditching the body in the ocean or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Just sinks to the bottom. Well, if you do explosion in water, especially because if they're just going to get crushed by the pressure, if there's even like a hole in the in the hole. That's what really scared me about submarines. If you're going, if you get hit or anything happens like a malfunction, you're done. Like yeah, exactly. So this leads to the one off-brand topic that we use today in today's military and our Navy forces: the U.S. Navy Marine Mammal Program. So it's a program administered by the U.S. Navy which studies the military use of marine animals, principally bottlenose dolphins and California sea lions, and trains animals to perform tasks such as ship and harbor protection. Mm. Now, in my mind, I picture a dolphin with a Gatling gun on the side of its head swimming across our uh, borders <laughs> on our sea, stopping ships from coming in. The laser dolphins, dude. That'd be sick. Right from Goldmember? Yep. So they're also there for mine detection and clearance and equipment recovery. The program is based in San Diego, California, where animals are housed and trained on an ongoing basis. The NMMP animal teams have been deployed for use in combat zones, such as during the Vietnam War and the Iraqi War. See, I heard about the uh, training dolphins to like detect mines and stuff. Because... What did you hear about using sonar? Yeah, yeah, like they were using their sonar and then like... I don't know how they would communicate that, but like I just know they, they train them to find things. I think a safer route, if you're going to disable someone's submarine or warship, would be strap an EMP or like some type of thing that doesn't mess with the dolphin's frequency. Like if we can get that focused out, and mm -hmm. then possibly get it just to swim close or swim by, and then be able to jam their radars, or just put a beacon on their back that sends out a signal that. But would that affect the animals? signal levels because sometimes animals perception have they have, they can pick up different wavelengths and yeah, lengths yeah. than we can like a dog probably hears you know how they have the dog whistle probably hears like a phone call is probably loud buzzing to them instead of words yeah yeah exactly so it's 
it's, this led to the program being dogged by controversy over the treatment of the animals and speculation as to the nature of its mission and training. This has been due, at least in part, of the secrecy of the program, which was declassified in the early 1990s. The program's inception, there has been ongoing animal welfare concerns, with many opposing the use of marine mammals in military applications, even in essentially non-combatant roles such as mine detection. The Navy cites external oversight, including ongoing monitoring and defense of its animal care standards. That seems like a big factor to PETA. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to think, I mean, if you tell the public you're using animals for warfare, there's going to be so many people that are going to protest that, man. They don't even like it if you if you have your dog out in the cold, even though it's a freaking... I got yelled at one time for walking my buddy's Newfoundlands out in the snow. I'm like, he lives out in Canada. That's Newfoundland. Like, that's cold, and it's always hot here. Yeah, exactly. This is not the place to have him, but when it snows... He doesn't want to come inside. He wants to sleep and lay in the snow. Mm-hmm. He literally lets it pile on top of him. Like, is he trying to kill himself? No, he's enjoying his life. Yeah, exactly. So the program, the Navy Marine Mammal Program, is based in San Diego, California, as part of the SSC San Diego. The animals are trained in San Diego Bay. Dolphin handlers can frequently be seen on the bay, where specialized small boats are used to transport dolphins between their pens and the training areas. Other locations are sometimes used for specific research, such as San Clementine Island in the Channel Islands of California and torpedo test ranges in Seattle and Canada. The program's stated animal activities, including protecting ports and Navy assets from swimmer attack, locating and assisting in the recovery of expense exercise and training targets, and locating potentially dangerous sea mines. One really good research and discovery benefit I really see with this is hooking a camera to its head and trying to find the Titanic or search the depths of the ocean Mm -hmm. where we're not able to search yet without sending uh, expensive um, machinery equipment. Yeah, but they're going to... Everyone always masters the military aspect before they do the cool shit like that. (laughs) All right, I'm going to toss this out there, so kind of throwing a little bit out of the blank in this one. Uh, imagine if you're looking through a camera on a dolphin's head and the dolphin's like swimming to what you want it to swim towards and then just sees a, like a girl dolphin and then just turns towards it and then you end up getting a really graphic video of two <laughs> dolphins mating. <laughs> yeah. But you're trying to show your cheeky you command do. that it's working. Like, our program works. See, we can control the... What is he doing? What? Yeah. Flipper, then... no. Flipper, flipper, down flipper. And then you get a National Geographic documentary. <laughs> Right? But, hey, there's a win-win situation right there. I see two wins. Mm-hmm. There are five. got to get narrated by uh, Morgan Freeman, though. Yes. Agreed. This dolphin is taking a turn for the worse. <laughs> or is it a turn for the better? <laughs> so there are five marine mammal teams, each trained for a specific type of mission. Each human-animal team is known in military jargon by a marked number, MK for short, the five teams are called MK4, MK5, MK6, MK7, and MK8. The MK4 to 7 and 8 teams use dolphins, MK5 uses sea lions, and MK6 uses both sea lions and dolphins. These teams can be deployed at 72 hours notice by ship, aircraft, helicopter, and land vehicle to regional conflicts or staging areas around the world. Good now God. picture three helicopters flying in the air. And you just see this freaking dolphin drop out of this Get helicopter. Like a missile. Yeah, dude. Just right in the water, yo. That that'd be a good movie. We should this is they should make that movie. 
I agree. That'd be fucking sweet. So what'd they use for mine hunting? Well, three of the marine mammal teams were trained to detect enemy sea mines, which constitute a major hazard to the U.S. Navy ships. MK-4 uses dolphins to detect and mark the location of tethered sea mines floating off the bottom, while MK-7 dolphins are trained to detect and mark the location of mines on the seafloor or buried in sediment. Huh. The MK-8 team is trained to swiftly identify safe corridors for the initial landing of the troops ashore. That's got to be a good way. I don't know how you would train them, though. Imagine those sea mines, those giants. Look, yeah, look like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess a dolphin would be good for that because they can slip past them. They're kind of like a snake in the ocean. Mm-hmm. So with not, a brain. Yeah. Snake in the ocean with a brain. A smart snake. Mm-hmm. That's the worst type. <laughs> like a spider that can't be burned yeah exactly in operations a dolphin awaits a cue from its handler before starting to search a specific area using its natural echolocation the dolphin reports back to its handler giving particular responses to communicate whether a target object is detected if a mine-like target is detected the handler sends the dolphin to mark the location of the object by releasing a buoy so it can be avoided by navy vessels or neutralized by navy divers hey Mine clearance dolphins were deployed to the Persian Gulf during the Iraq War in 2003. The Navy said these dolphins were effective in helping to detect more than 100 anti-ship mines and underwater booby traps from the port of Um Umquars. So force protection. What what comes in your mind when I say force protection? No idea. Like, the only thing is Star Wars with me. For the force. Oh, God. You're still on the Jedi project. Dude, no, that's it. I just, that's the only thing I know is... That and fucking physics, that's about it. (laughs) MK-6 uses dolphins and sea lions as sentries to protect harbor installations and ships against unauthorized human swimmers. Uh. MK-6 was first operationally developed with dolphins during the Vietnam War from 1965 to 1975 and the Bahrain from 1986 to 88. When an enemy diver is detected by a dolphin, the dolphin approaches from behind and bumps the device onto its back of the enemy's air tank. This device attached a buoy, which then explodes, alerting the Navy personnel of the intruder. Sea lions carry a similar device in their mouth, but instead attach it by handcuffing one of the enemy's limbs. The animals depend on the superior underwater senses and swimming ability to defend against counterattacks. Mm. Imagine you got all these, you know, terrorist people coming in underwater. You can't see them. You're up on a boat. Next thing you know, buoys are just popping up everywhere and exploding, letting you know there's all these bad guys around. Yeah, exactly. And a sea lion because just of a dolphin throws a, a dude lion. up like freaking um, cops or a dog, the bounty hunter on the shore, mm-hmm. arresting them. It's like holy crap. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's it's just it's it's weird to think that you know we're using animals at like to do this now mm-hmm. and it's like it, it's very very smart. I'm glad they went off the lethal side of things and doing yeah. Well, that's it. Like this is this size. is a very good solution to use animals other than sending a dolphin in. But do you think there was a, a reason behind that, which is the failure with explosions with it, or do you believe it was people are eventually going to lead? to this topic and lead to this discovery of this program so we might as well make it not so bad on America I think that eventually it would have became a big problem for them so it would have been a big public atrocity that's what I'm saying yeah so they probably went the uh, safer route the better road yeah exactly what about object recovery MK5 is dedicated to the recovery of test equipment that is fired from ships or dropped from planes into the ocean 
The team uses California sea lions to locate and attach recovery hardware to underwater objects such as practice mines. In this role, they can outperform human divers who are restricted to short working times and limited repeated diving. The term first demonstrated its capabilities when it's recovered in ASROC, an anti-submarine rocket from a depth of 180 feet in November 1970. The team is trained in the recovery of the dummy victims in a stimulated airplane crash. That is very good. Mm. You're going search and rescue, like where ships crash and you're yeah, looking yeah. for missing people. If the Coast Guard could have a, a battalion of dolphins or sea yeah, That would be a very good use They try with killer whales, but apparently it doesn't work out so well. Mm. Dude, but how cool would it be if like they did train the killer whales and it was like ship goes down but then killer whale comes down and just lifts everyone up like he's a barge? I think we need a bigger ship than that. Depending, I mean, not a bigger ship, a bigger whale than that depending on the ship. Well, no, I'm not saying like the Maybe entire ship. a small ship. vessel? I'm not saying like the entire ship. I'm saying like the ship is like collapsed and everything's fallen but like people are falling down. So then he goes under the people. You know what the basis of what we need to do is? Huh. We need to find Aquaman... And just let him yeah, command honestly. all these for us. Like, seriously. Honestly. One guy controlling all animals, that'd be pretty sick. We'd be <laughs> a Dr. Doolittle of the sea. Yeah, honestly. So, attack missions. The Navy says that it has never trained its marine mammals for attack missions against people or ships. I'm already sensing a little bit of uh, crap. Mm -hmm. um, I just read about 40,000 stories. Maybe not dolphins, but I just read about, like... A good amount of stories about uh, donkeys being exploded. Yeah, so, exactly. I don't think. I guess this is marine animal mammals, so I guess that you know it's hard to think though they didn't use a dolphin as a bomb at one point. Yeah, it is kind of hard to think. The Navy stated that since dolphins cannot discern the difference between enemy and friendly vessels or divers and swimmers, this would be a haphazard means of warfare. Instead, the animals were trained to detect all mines and swimmers in the area of concern and to report back to their handlers, who then decide upon an appropriate response. Some of these animals are the bottlenose dolphin are among the species used by the Navy's Marine Mammal Program. The Navy also identifies the following animal species as have been used or studied by the program at various times. Some cetaceans, uh, beluga, bottlenose dolphin, common dolphin, doll's porpoise, false killer whale, orca, pacific white-sided dolphin, pilot whale, rissos dolphin, rough-toothed dolphin, pin pinnipeds, California sea lion, and the common seal. The elephant seal, the fur seals, gray seal, Stellar sea lion, and some other ones were birds and sharks. Hey, I don't see a shark going so well. Yeah, they don't really have. They're trying to strap up obedience. Uh, trying to strap a mine detector to its head and just rips your arm off. <laughs> exactly. At least a dolphin can do like a U-turn, and a shark has to like go wide out. Mm. They can't turn around. Yeah, not very nimble creatures. So bottlenose dolphins and California sea lions are the main animals used and are kept at the base in San Diego. Dolphins have powerful biological sonar, unmatched by artificial sonar technology in detecting objects in water column and on the seafloor. Sea lions lack this, but have very sensitive underwater directional hearing and exceptional vision in low-light conditions. Both of these species are trainable and capable of repetitive deep diving as of late 1990s. About 140 marine mammals were part of the program. So, like we talked about before with PETA, animal welfare. Mm -hmm. Do they get welfare checks? Do they get welfare insurance? Does my dolphin have life insurance? <laughs> so in 
So, there has been controversy related to alleged mistreatment of animals in the program, and controversy continues over the use of marine mammals for military purposes. The Navy's policy requires that only positive reinforcement techniques be used in training of their animals, and they be cared for in accordance with accepted standards. The NMMP says it complies strictly with the United States Department of Defense requirements and federal laws regarding the proper care of the animals, mm. including the Marine Mammal Protection Act and the Animal Welfare Act. The program is listed as an accredited institution by the Association for the Accreditational of Animal Laboratory Animal Care, whose voluntary accreditation program requires research programs to demonstrate that they meet the standards of animal care beyond those required by law. As a standard to demonstrate what they meet the standards of animal care beyond those required by law, laboratory animals such as, you know, get tested for, if you're going to test, uh, I don't know, some type of virus or something on an animal, yeah. that's seen under the Activation Act. It's like, you can't do that. Mm. But when it comes to strapping a sonar to their head, as long as the animal's been treated properly, much like you feed a cow a wonderful life of food and then chop its head off, that's, yeah, a, that's yeah. okay. Still, apparently, PETA has a problem with that. So the research facility contains researchers, veterans, or veterinarians, and members of the community. Okay. So, do you think, why do they hire people from SeaWorld? They're basically trained in that. Yeah, but I hear SeaWorld does a lot of cruel stuff to their animals. I mean, that's why that one killer whale finally snapped. And Yeah, I'm saying, man. The use of marine mammals by the Navy, even in accordance with the Navy's stated policy, continues to meet opposition. Opponents cite that inevitable stresses involved in this type of training, which is contrary to the animal's natural lifestyles, particularly regarding their confinement when not training. There is to continuing controversy over the use of anti-foraging devices such as muzzles, which prevent the dolphins from foraging for food while working. The Navy states that this is to prevent their ingesting harmful objects, but opponents say that is done to reinforce the handler's control over the dolphins, which is based on a food's reward system. Yeah. The reintegration or extended care of retired animals is also a concern. I mean, we retire a canine unit after, like, what, five years? Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, what happens then? They just get... They just, yeah, they're probably going to adopt They get sent to an animal home, I'm mm -hmm. pretty sure, or they get adopted by the person that's been working with them yeah but it is kind of cruel that if you're putting a muzzle on a dolphin so it can't eat and won't get distracted i mean it's a good way to like kind of teach it like behaviorally like mm -hmm. but it's it's just it's not it's not nature. you got to keep it somewhere that's not in nature that's bordering on the line of hum inhumane yeah so personal attending four dolphins during a flight aboard c-17 globemaster 3 the field use of the animals is also an issue for some critics partly because of the stresses involved in transportation, particularly where dolphins are transported on dry carriers as well as stresses arising from the sudden transplantation of an animal's into unfamiliar environment. Dolphins native to areas in which NMMP dolphins are introduced can pose a threat since they are known to defend their territory from intruders. It's the same thing. If you get a swarm of bees mm -hmm. and another swarm of bees comes by from a different area, like you're introducing bees into a new area, you have to let those bees talk it out and sort through what's what. They'll talk to really? each other. Yes. Joe Rogan talked about that. He was on an episode of Fear Factor where they used bees, and they brought them to this area, and then a giant swarm or colony of bees came by, and they had to, literally, the beekeeper guy was like, we have to go and let them talk it out. Like, what do you mean? Like, they have to decide. This is two different colonies. It'd be like if America 
went over into like Australia. We're gonna have some conflicts. We need That's to sort crazy. some things out. You know, we're gonna share this territory. Where are we gonna be? Mm-hmm. You know, and they had to do that, and they came back like two hours later. Everything was settled. Damn. So that's much like animals. Like when you introduce an animal into a new environment, you, you need to make sure that that animal is known to be there or it's going to become overpopulated, much like when we introduced uh, that one English settler that introduced rabbits mm-hmm. into Australia. And next thing you know, like two months later or something, there was like over 10 billion rabbits. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, you're responsible for that rabbit overpopulation now. So in the media... The NMMP has received much sensational coverage in the media, in some part because of the unusual nature of the program and the controversial concept of using intelligent marine mammals for military purposes. The NMMP was classified under the early 1990s, which also contributed to speculation about its true nature and even its proper title, with some referring to it as the Citizen Intelligence Mission. From time to time, stories have surfaced in the media claiming that military dolphins trained for attack missions or even equipped with weaponry have escaped and pose a danger to the public. But the Navy has stated that the dolphins have never been trained for any kind of attack mission against ships or people. During Hurricane Katrina in 2005, there were media reports that some of the Navy dolphins equipped with poison dart guns and trained to attack hostile swimmers in the water escaped when their containment area in the Lake Portachan was breached, posing a threat to swimmers. However, the Navy reported that all dolphins were accounted for and it was only a dolphin training center in San Diego. During the hurricane, some dolphins did escape from the unrelated Marine Life Oceanarium in Gulfport, Mississippi and were subsequently recaptured. In fiction, the concept of military dolphins has been explored, notably in the film The Day of the Dolphin, Mike Nichols, 1973, loosely based on the novel Un Animal du de la Raison. A Sentient Animal of 1967 by Robert Mel Vonder McIntyre published a short story titled The End's Beginning with this theme in mind. It was later collected in the anthology Fire Flood. The William Gibson short story Johnny Minnick and its film adaptation also featured a cyborg dolphin Navy veteran named Jones with a talent for decryption and a heroin addiction. So, it's also spawns in some games, like Dolphins Armed with Sonar Cannons were also betrayed in video games like Red Alert 2, Red Alert 3, mm-hmm. and it, it, some of them were genetically engineered dolphins crewing a spaceship in Star Trek. The Next Generation USS Enterprise NC-1701D blueprints by Rick Steinbeck are multiple citizen operation locations on decks 13 and 14. So with all this information I just read to you, all this factual proof on these programs and using mm-hmm. animals through warfare, do you think it's an overall thing we should continue investing our time into? I think the aquatic ones, because apparently aquatic animals are just super fucking smart. Do you but. think maybe if we switch from trying to be a more uh, ed, 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 like attack kind of situation well, yeah, to like, more of a defense mechanism type thing? Yeah, it like, 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 it was pretty like bomb dogs and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, like, we have those. Why can't we just develop more an anti-bomb dog well that's it like one that instead of well no no no. i'm saying like like the bomb sniffing dogs yes like we have that already. we have those so we know that works so why, so do, why, why don't we, we just why don't we just keep doing that with animals and like afterwards like having a program where after they're done with their job like they're cycled into a family you know what i mean because that like, another big problem, like you mentioned, is what do we do after the dolphins after five years? Well, if someone offered me a dolphin for free, I'd build a tank. Like, it's pretty badass to own a dolphin. You know what I mean? 
You so, fill your shower up for sure. Dude, I would find works. a way. If someone was Put like, yo, you can have this dolphin for free and he's trained to sniff out bombs. It's like, dude, that's a badass dolphin. That's when you just buy a boat and then sail. That's it. He'll follow you everywhere. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to think, man. I mean, I think it's definitely more of a defense type thing we should be focused on. More of surveillance and espionage, maybe, type of dealing with um, just trying to spy on people would probably be a better idea, putting a camera, and even using it for discoveries and beneficial stuff that way. Mm-hmm. We definitely started out on the wrong foot. I mean, we had the right concept with the Acoustic Kitty. But going through all the different places where you're just putting bombs on animals, it seems like a last resort type thing. Like, hey, wait, I don't want to blow myself up, but I'll blow this donkey up to try yeah. and kill these people over here. Yeah, exactly. So, overall, anybody want to look up the program, um, it's Acoustic Kitty. And then the U.S. program we use now and still today is the U.S. Navy Marine Mammal Program, known as the NMMP. Hopefully we gave you a little bit of uh, information on this and also gave you uh, our thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, stay tuned for our next episode.